Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Hey, welcome back. If you haven't already, would you like and subscribe this podcast so that more people can access this important content? Today, I am joined by Krista Mayfield. Krista is the Director of Educational Programs at Unbound Houston, an organization that mobilizes the church and activates local communities to fight human trafficking through prevention and awareness, professional training, and survivor advocacy. Welcome to the podcast, Krista. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. Today, we're asking the question, how are people groomed into trafficking? And I have to admit from the outset and give a little bit of a shout out to another podcast. I heard Krista on the podcast from UAHT, and she did such an exceptional job in that interview that I uh, reached out pretty quickly after and said, hey, will you please come on our podcast? (laughs) And so thanks for being here. Thanks. I love y'all's podcast. I listen all the time and learn a lot. So glad to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so before we dive into the question, let's get to know you a little bit. How did you, how did you get into this work? Uh, why are you giving your life and your time and your career to educating people about the issue of sex trafficking? Yeah, I love this question because it's a great story. Um, my background is actually in the performing arts. Oh, wow. Okay. My degree is in vocal performance. Um, I was a dancer, a music major. I was in theater and, um, I was also a missionary, did a lot of random things. Um, but there was a point in my life when I heard the Lord very clearly, but very randomly tell me, um, I want you to work with human trafficking until I tell you otherwise. Wow. And I was like... Uh, would rather not, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather not. Yeah, 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 I get that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Unbound what is is a ministry of my church. And yeah. so they were kind of, I mean, I, I knew about you guys. I knew about some other ones. And I was asking the Lord for a couple of weeks, like, okay, God, fine, I'll do this. Where do you want me? Um, I could do here. I could go with these, these guys, whatever. And God was like, you're stalling. Just mm. move. Mm. And so I was like, okay, Unbound. So uh, I jumped in with Unbound, started volunteering. A year later, I came on staff, and I haven't left. Yeah. So the Lord hasn't said otherwise, and we're still here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So tell us more about Unbound then. Um, I, I know you, you mentioned this a part of your church, Antioch Community Church, um, but tell us more. Uh, what is Unbound and uh, kind of more about your specific role there? Yes. So Unbound is an international anti-human trafficking organization. Um, Antioch is a global missions movement, basically. Uh, We're a church planning movement, and so we have churches across the world and across the U.S., and so every church has the opportunity to start an Unbound office um, or Unbound initiative. And so our Houston office is a full-blown, it's like the highest level office. Um, Highest level is like the offices are the most functioning Gotcha. Um, so we're hoping to be our own 501c3, but right now we're operating under Antioch. And from the get-go, our heart has been, how do we stop this issue yeah. before it starts? Yeah. Um, Unbound started in Waco mm-hmm. uh, in 2012, where people really didn't think that trafficking was an issue. Yeah. Um, they didn't really believe that you know young people in their own communities were being sold to people in their communities by right. people in their community. Yeah. So Unbound was kind of like that... Um, 
the wind that kind of blew the, the cover off. And so Unbound Houston started in 2013 and just from the start wanted to educate our community saying, hey, this is happening. This is what it looks like. Um, this is how we as a community can support victims and survivors. This is how we can make a difference. Yeah. Um, and so from there, we've been raising awareness, we've been educating our community, and that's grown from small community awareness presentations to um, being part of you know this movement that we have right. in the city and doing education with schools across the greater Houston area, educating professionals in all different spheres. And then about a year and a half ago, we launched our advocacy program. So we have a team of advocates that provide crisis response and case management for survivors of trafficking. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting for me because I've kind of watched from the sidelines the the establishment of and the evolution of Unbound from this small thing in Waco to a very large thing in Waco and then just kind of rippled out across, as you said, the globe. Uh, and it's so fascinating. And the fact that it continues to just be linked to a specific kind of church movement um, it has been a really um, fun process to watch. And especially just watching the work that Unbound is doing in Houston. Like you guys are at all of the coalition meetings. Like you've really made a, a um a space for yourself, but not just for yourself, right? But to like participate in this work mm -hmm. at a larger level um, and to collaborate with other organizations like us. And so um, that's the only way we can do this is to do it together. Yes, absolutely. So we appreciate Unbound so much. So trafficking takes all sorts of forms, right? Yeah. Trafficking has mm -hmm. um a multitude of manifestations and locations, and sometimes you might even refer to it as like business models. Mm -hmm. um, but one method in particular that we want to talk about today is often referred to as grooming. Um, and so I asked you to come on the podcast today to kind of help us understand and help our audience to understand what do we mean by that term grooming? Uh, and what does that look like? What does it entail? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, so I love that you mentioned like there are so many different ways that trafficking can happen. Yeah. Um, and it's never, it never happens the same way mm. twice, yeah. but even in all of these different forms, whether it's gang controlled trafficking, familial trafficking, um, even labor trafficking or international trafficking, pimp controlled trafficking, grooming in some way, shape or form is almost always part of that process because what grooming is, is it's essentially preparing someone to be abused. Yeah. It's conditioning them to do something that is not in their nature, which is to accept abuse and yeah. accept exploitation as their, um, as their destiny or as their reality and not fight back. Yeah. Um, that's not in human nature. It has to be cultivated. Mm. And that's what grooming is. It's this cultivation of, um, vulnerabilities. It's, it's setting up this whole stage to where once the abuse is full on, the victim has been conditioned to accept that and they're not going to fight back and they probably won't even ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in their nature. So I think kind of what I hear you saying is like, it is, um, a strategic, like active, um, I want to use the word breaking down, but maybe that's not an appropriate term. So what do you think? Like, what would you say? How would you say that? Like, it, it, is, a, it is a thought out, premeditated, strategic way of changing somebody? Yeah, yeah. Like, when you look at how grooming occurs, yeah. 
even though it can happen a thousand different ways, there is a process. Yeah. Um, and that process has been described in multiple different ways and in different forms. Um, because I work with youth a lot and I do a lot of youth presentations, um, I describe it like building a puppet. Uh, like the marionette puppets with the strings. Yeah. So, you know, you need holes in their hands and feet that you attach the strings to. Hmm. And holes are unmet needs. And so oftentimes traffickers will come in and their goal is to build trust. And the way that they do that is by meeting an unmet need. Hmm. We all have unmet needs. Sure. Everybody does. Um, and that ultimately is like the basis of attachment theory, if you're familiar with that. Like, Meeting an unmet need is how babies bond with their mothers. It's how we as humans yeah. learn to bond and trust and like function in the world. Like food. Like at a basic level, the baby needs to eat. So it has to attach to a mother to right, eat. Right, right. And, yeah. and then the reason that you love your mom is because she was the one that fed you when yeah. you were a baby and had no nothing else. Yeah. And so traffickers literally hijack that super basic element of human psychology yeah. and are going to fill a need for a time. And so that could be a relational need. You know, if it's a person feels lonely or is looking for love or acceptance or something they didn't get as a kid or they're lonely in school. Um, it could be a financial need, you know, yeah. instability in your home. The home isn't a safe place. You don't feel heard. You don't feel seen. So it could be like a, a runaway kid on the street, right? Like mm. they have a million unmet needs and right. they're all on the surface and they're all immediate survival needs. So that person is super easy to take advantage of. Yeah. Um, it could be, you know, an, an immigrant who's coming in and doesn't know the language and doesn't have the systems figured out and is looking for work. Um, but it, it could just be a, a teenage girl on Instagram that just got dumped by her boyfriend mm. and, you know, now feels really insecure and people are talking about her behind her back, like yeah. normal stuff. But traffickers are looking for that unmet need and they're going to meet that need for a time. Yeah. Um, and the kind of next part of this is what I call the it's too good to be true phase. Hmm. Um, I kind of stole this from Kathy Givens who says like, we often say that the next phase is intoxication. Yeah. Um, but she described intoxication, not necessarily with drugs and alcohol, but with like this, it's too good. Like it was just a, this amazing world. Like that, almost like a euphoria of sorts. Yes. Like a and, sceneness. Yes, yeah. yes. And so they fill that need yeah. to excess. Yeah. So whatever it is that you longed for, oh, you're going to get it. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome and it's going to be free yeah. and it's going to be everything you ever dreamed of. And then while you're so overcome by this new relationship that you're in or this opportunity to be a model or an actress or to go to this really awesome college or have this great job and you're just kind of caught up in that, right. you don't notice that you're being alienated yeah. from the people that have always been there for you, that have always cared about you, that the places, people, systems that you know that you can trust, mm. they're, they're pulling you apart from that by saying things like, you have a curfew? I don't know any 17-year-old with a curfew. Your parents are so dumb. I bet yeah. you can't wait to turn 18 and get out of there. Or you wouldn't believe what your friends said behind your back. Why do you hang out with them? You're way more mature than them anyway. Mm. And so they're like causing these intentional rifts in trust between this person that they want to groom and the people that would notice that something is off. Right. So before the abuse even starts, there's this isolation that happens. Let me get you alone because... I'm going to condition you to where you won't see the abuse coming, but other people will. Yeah. I'm going to pull you away from them and then they're going to 
They're not going to notice. They're going to think you've fallen off the deep end. You've hit your rebellious phase. You've gotten mm. into drugs. You've fallen in with the wrong crowd. They're going to assume that you don't like them anymore, that you ditched them. You know, whatever the right. case is, there's a break in relationship. And now you can't trust those people. You can only trust me. And then, I, there, then there's this loss of like support network. Like the people who do love you and just going, you make, you make me think about like, like the mom who fed you. So you love her because she fed you. And then this process of grooming strategically removes that person that you have trusted your whole life. Or, yes. you know, maybe it's not your mom. It could be anybody in anything, sure. a friend in school or whatever, yeah. right? That has been a part of that support network that has met those needs in other ways. But this person, this trafficker, or even a group of people, I guess in some cases, have intentionally like put themselves in that place. Yes. Right? Yes. It absolutely, it's a replacement of everything that you've previously known and had. Yeah. And their goal is for you to kind of slowly and surely step, 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 away from your support structure, which was ideally, right, especially in a healthy world, although this is the less supported a person is, the easier this process is for the trafficker. Mm. Um, Not that they're less willing to do it, though, for someone that is more supported. It just takes more time. Right. Um, But you can imagine if your support system was already weak and fractured and missing pieces, this trafficker just has easier access to come in. So I don't want to, while anybody can be groomed, I don't want to, negate the fact that there are people in our communities that are much more vulnerable to this yeah. um, because they their lives are a string of vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, but the trafficker's goal is to kind of inch a person away from their support system and become their, their sole person. Yeah. You're it for your housing, for your food, for your love, your friendship, your connections. They want to be everything to you. Right. And then everything else you don't trust or you've lost, you feel disconnected from. And so they're all you've got. And then as soon as both of your feet are solidly planted on their, you know, foundation, they're going to rip the rug from underneath you. Yeah, yeah. And that's when things begin to shift. The relationship becomes manipulative, controlling. Um, That person could want to know where you are all the time. Mm. Um, Demand that you not talk to other people or get angry when you do. Um, Begin to be verbally abusive. Begin gaslighting. Making this person really question their sanity or... Yeah, what's real. Yes, they have no idea. They don't know who to trust anymore. Um, But what they do know is that this relationship used to be awesome. Yeah, This opportunity used to be the dream. Not only was it the dream, it was the thing that they longed for and wanted the most and they never had. Yeah. And then they got it. You're right. And now it's not so good. And maybe they want to get back to that. So they keep grasping at it. Keep trusting, keep letting go. Well, I know I was just, you know, harmed, abused, beaten, whatever, but like maybe we can get back to that place to all stay. Yes. Yeah. And so in this process, there's that's kind of what I describe, like where the, the string kind of just slowly attaches and ties and kind of creeps up is things begin to shift, but it, it, it's this back and forth. Mm. There are strings attached to, to their kindness when there wasn't before. Yeah. That, you know, now you owe them for the love they showed you, mm. the gifts they bought you, the bed they let you sleep on, the drugs they gave you, whatever it was. You thought it was free. You thought you knew what you were getting into, and now you're way in over your head. You have no support system. Yeah. The people that you trusted and loved are gone and maybe don't like you because of the choices that you've made because sure. you chose this person or this opportunity or this group over them. So now they're like, well, whatever. You know, right. Yeah. Um, 
And then I, I kind of describe like the, the final bit of control where the trafficker ties a string to the controls is the show of force or power. Mm. And so that's when, that's when you see violence come out often or, or that trafficker or abuser really kind of holds that power card and says, if you don't do what I say, I have this on you and right. I'm going to report you or post it on Instagram or I'm going to tell your mom or I'm going to hurt your family or yeah. they pull out the gun. That's when the victim realizes, oh, you could hurt me or the ones I care about and I have to do what you say. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be bad for me. Right. And so they're trapped between love and affection on one side and fear for their life on another. Yeah. And now all the trafficker has to do is just pull a string yeah. and that victim will do what they say to do when they say to do it. No questions asked. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the questions we get a lot, and I'm sure you guys hear this too, is like, why don't they just leave? Right? Like if trafficking isn't that image of the girl tied up, you know, with ropes in a cage or whatever, you know, that we fight so hard against. And it is women that are that have a little bit of, you know, freedom that can go here and there mm-hmm. and travel and have a cell phone and stuff like that. We get asked all the time, well, why don't they just like run away? Like, why don't they just walk away? But this is why, right? Right. Yeah, because they're so tied to, they're dependent upon this individual. Not right. Not just like for their bed and their food now, but just psychologically, emotionally. Yeah. Um, so who, I think we've kind of answered this question a little bit already, but um, so who is it? Like who's doing this grooming? Um and who is who is being groomed? I mean, you kind of went through a list of people already, but is it just children on Instagram, or is it like are there thirty year old adults that are being groomed, or like who's vulnerable to this type of strategic um, alienation? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it really can be anybody. Yeah, um, and it's typically the abuser, the trafficker that's doing the grooming. Um, Recruiters are involved in this process. And that's the tricky thing with trafficking specifically is that the nature of trafficking isn't just a one and done crime. And so you could have multiple people, like a literal team of people that are doing the grooming in stages. Yeah, yeah. And so that throws the victim off even more because it's not just one person that they're attached to and it's not just one person that's the enemy. Yeah. It's this whole network of relationships that is organized usually to some degree, but the victim doesn't know that. You know, they're just your group of friends. Yeah, right, right. So they're being groomed by a lifestyle. They're being groomed by a group of people and they don't often see like the whole picture of what's actually happening. Right. Um, but yes, so obviously young people on social media, um, that's a huge way that kids can be groomed. And that whole process can take place online. Yeah. And a kid can be trafficked and never leave their home. So by definition, right, like sex trafficking of a child is just any exchange of sex for something of value. Right. A sex act of any kind for something of value of any kind. Right. When that happens to a kid, that's it's always sex that's always sex trafficking. Right. So if they're being groomed online and someone asks for pictures and they send a picture and then that person forwards those pictures and gets either money or more pictures or something of value for those, that kid's been trafficked right. by definition. And right. they literally never left their room. Yeah. Um and so Traffickers can build relationships with kids online. Um, it can be a recruiter in a high school that you know makes friends with someone that feels lonely or out of place, or that kid that has a reputation for already sleeping around anyway and might mm-hmm. as well get paid for it. Yeah. Um, 
it could be an adult, right? That is especially college students, like mm. young 18 to 24 year old college students on their own for the first time, trying to make it work. Yeah. Um, sugaring is a huge entryway into trafficking. What do you mean by that? Define that for us. Yes. So sugaring is essentially the, the legal process of connecting a usually economically disadvantaged young person, usually female, no, not always, um, with an older adult, wealthy male who will buy them nice things and pay money for them to be a companion. Right. What's not said is that that companionship involves sex. Right. Um, it's not supposed to. Right. That's not legal. Um, but just because it's not legal doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Mm. And so um, sugaring websites, and I guess I don't have to necessarily say the name, but they will strategically target university students. So like you'll get a discount on like your account or you'll get advantages if you sign in with your university email address. So they're looking for economically disadvantaged students to connect them to wealthy men who want to pay for their time, um, which is the exact same language that we see in the life. Um, And then once that money's exchanged, you may not think sex is part of the deal, but now that they've paid for you. Yeah. There's like an obligation to return. Yes, and usually the buyer assumes that right. that privilege and that power. Right. Um, and so again, grooming can happen by a person, but it can also happen by culture. Um, pornography is grooming young people to expect abuse in sexual relationships. Mm. And so when it happens in real life, they're like, mm, that wasn't fun, but that's what I saw in porn, so this is what I should expect. Right. Um, music and, and movies and media, all of it's just kind of this subtle conditioning to assume that maybe that's not that bad. It's not that big of a step. And in our work, um, our prevention work with students, I hear kids, girls in our class tell me all the time, they get approached by kids in their school asking to pimp them out. They get hit up and solicited online all the Mm. time. Like it's not, when I like talk about sugaring, I talk about that kind of thing, they'll all snicker and half of my classes, the girls will look at each other and they'll throw out somebody's name in school that they know is they doing know. that. Yeah. So it's it's not that uncommon. Right. And so that alone sets them up. When someone offers that to them, it doesn't seem like that big of a step. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, we, we often talk about how like trafficking, um, like who's vulnerable to trafficking? Like it can be anybody. Like it's not respective of, you know, class or socioeconomic status or race or gender even, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. every, like literally anybody and everybody can be vulnerable depending on those vulnerabilities and those those needs. And so kind of what I hear you saying is like the, the grooming process capitalizes on that very same thing. And mm-hmm. many people are vulnerable. Right. Many people are vulnerable to this. Right. Um, what an excellent job you've done of articulating what the grooming process is. So we're going to take a break in the podcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk about prevention. Um, that's really Krista's kind of field and education and prevention. Um, and so we're going to talk about signs to look for um, and steps that we can take to, uh, to help people out of a potential grooming uh, situation. So we'll see you on the other side of the break.
Welcome back. So, Krista, let's talk about uh, awareness and prevention right now. Uh, you've done such a good job of explaining what grooming is. So what are the signs we should be aware of? If, let's say, um, we have kids, you know, I've got a child who is uh, coming to that age where social media usage is going to be happening yeah. and things like that. And I'm sure a lot of our audience that's watching or listening, uh, you're probably already thinking in your head if you're to this point in the episode, like, oh my gosh, how can I, how right, can right. I be aware of the signs? Or maybe it's a friend, like you, you referenced a couple times, like your work in schools and like, you know, teenagers mm-hmm. or even college students yeah. looking at each other like, well, we know what that's about. Um, so, so what should we be looking for? Awesome. Um, well, on that note of like parents, I want to kind of chat about like social media. Yeah, go for so, it. So um, most parents, won't say all, I guess, but yeah. most parents wouldn't put their kid on a bus, send them to New York, New York City yeah. and say, here's 20 bucks, have a great time. Right. Um, most parents wouldn't open the front door and just say, hey, anybody, everybody, come on in. Right. Most parents don't leave their kids home alone. Sure. But when you allow your child to be on social media unmonitored, same thing. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. You have put them on a bus and sent them to New York City with 20 bucks. Yeah. And we just don't see that. And I think that's because social media is so new, technology is so new, it advanced so rapidly. Um, and you don't feel like you don't have eyes on your kid. They're sitting right there. They're in their bedroom. Yeah. Well, like for many of us, like I'm 33 years old. Like when I was 13, when I was 16, when I was 18, like this didn't exist. So right. like I don't have a point of, like I don't have a frame of reference for what it means to be an adolescent with access to the entire world through like just a thumb scroll. Like, I have no concept for what it means right. to be in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So I'm sure that's what for all sure. parents are feeling right now. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's such a different world. Yeah. It's such a different world. Um, and everyone's everyone's in this world, right? And so You're the right. whole world is kind of just shifting and changing. And um, if we're not aware of it, if we don't change with it, then what happens is our kids have a ton of unsupervised time, yeah. which is one of the biggest vulnerabilities in a child, mm. unsupervised time. So again, you could be thinking, I am a stay-at-home parent. Like I lit, I homeschool. Right. Like, okay, sure. If you homeschool, that's awesome. I was homeschooled. Yeah. But if your kid is on social media and you're not seeing those interactions, that is an unsupervised time. Yeah. yeah. And so just kind of shifting our idea and understanding of what social media is and the, the effect that it has, because this whole process can happen on social media, because traffickers are on social media just like you and I are, and they're adding young people in batches mm. and waiting for them to be vulnerable. Mm. So even if there's no obvious vulnerability in a young person at the day they add them, just keep following them because three months later, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And they'll slip in, hey, babe, cute pic. Or can't believe they said that about you. I don't right. think that at all. Or you go to that school. Do you have Miss So-and-so as a teacher? I, I graduated from there. Like they're going to establish some sort of connection to where even if your child has stranger danger drilled and tattooed under their forehead, sure, yeah. the trafficker's job is to make themselves appear not a stranger. Not a stranger. So the kid's like... Well, we, we're connected somehow, and it's just human nature to kind of 
loosen your guard a little bit when you feel like there's some type of familiarity and traffickers take advantage of that. So social media is like its own little thing, but I always want to shout out to parents because I think that's super important. But um, in general, if someone in your life, so on the outside looking in, like I said, right, there's this whole isolation process. There's this trust building process that honestly can feel like rejection from family and friends because here's your friend, your daughter, whatever that you've, your son that you've loved and seen. And now they're a completely different person and weird things are happening. And you're just kind of like, Whoa. Um, Oftentimes what happens is you'll notice that there is a new relationship, a a person or a group of people Mm. in your person's life um, that wasn't there before. And all of a sudden, it is very quickly all about them. Right. So you'll begin to notice changes in their behavior and their dress, their talk, um, their attendance at school, their school, their performance in school, their um, interaction with like extracurricular activities or hobbies or just community activities, things like that. And all of that shift is changing. And if you kind of think about the timeline, it all started when they met this person or this group of people. Mm. Um, They are becoming more isolated and and less open. So you ask questions, they're standoffish. They don't want to talk to you. Um, And so kind of my encouragement to the community Mm. is, hey, don't let that stop you because it's going to feel like rejection and that's not fun. Don't let that stop you from keep, just keep pressing in. Um, They're going to become defensive of their relationship or of what they're doing, their activities. You're going to say, hey, what's going on? This looks sketchy or you're always hanging out with them. And they're probably going to like, get a little defensive. Sure. Um, people get defensive when they're hiding something um, or when well, they're defending something they feel like they need. Well, and just back to the first part of the podcast, we are talking about that intoxication phase. Like this is everything I've ever wanted and I'm getting it in huge doses. Like I feel loved, I feel seen, I feel known. And then somebody says, well, maybe there's a problem there. Well, what would, I mean, yeah, I'm going to try to defend that because I'm enjoying it. So good. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly, right? Um, and so I think... Just keeping this whole process in mind is yeah. so important because yeah. it doesn't make sense. I think that's the thing we have to remember is like, it's not logical. Yeah. That's kind of the point. Yeah, like that's right. why it works. Right. And there's a person on the other side that is um, kind of setting this whole stage. And I think that's the other thing about grooming too, is that the trafficker is putting all of these situations in this victim's path to allow them to make choices that lead them down this road. Right. And so when the victim looks at themselves, they're like, oh, I said yes to that party. I said yes to that drug. I broke curfew. I moved in with you. So this must be my fault. It was all my choices. Yeah. 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 So from the outside, a parent, a friend can be like, you didn't show up to my party. You ran away from home. You started doing drugs. You started drinking. You made all these choices. Mm. And what we don't see is this person who's not really in the shadows, but kind of, right? Mm. Because they're they're the one that's like leading the little breadcrumb trail. And just they're the ones presenting all of these choices on a silver platter. Yeah. So think about it. Would this person have ever done this thing if they weren't offered it? Would they have ever made this choice if someone hadn't been there on the other side to coax them into it, to put them up to it, to offer it? Mm. And so noticing kind of those patterns. Um, If they're coming in with new and expensive clothes, things that they've never been able to afford before, and now they always have their hair done, their nails done, a new Uh, cell phone, new Nikes, or they all of a sudden have 
whatever they wanted. Yeah. You know, I, I really want to be a model and I'll never get it. All of a sudden I have this, you know, yeah. contract that seems sketchy with lots of holes or I've always wanted to play on this football team and, and I got this back door in yeah. without even having to try out. So when people say that they're involved in things, but they didn't have to go through the normal process to get there. Yeah. It's so good. Something's off. Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. So, so if we start identifying some of those things, like let's say we start seeing some of those things in other people and we start um, like, maybe it's my kid and you know, they're, that defensive thing is happening or they're coming mm-hmm. home with stuff like I didn't buy that, you know? Right. Um, and we go and we've, we've listened to this podcast and we've watched Krista. So do such a great job of explaining all this. Well, what do we do next? Like, let's say you're a parent and you're convinced like my kids being groomed or you're a college student. And you're like my uh, roommate I think is being groomed. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Our gut reaction is to shut it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like our well, gut absolutely, re- right? right? Like stop our it. gut reaction is like make it stop. Yeah. Um that rarely works, right? So you tell like you just said they they wanted something, they have it in excess. Don't take this thing away from me. So the most strategic thing to do is to get ahead of the problem and target that unmet need. So don't address the negative behaviors yet, or you can express concern, but make sure that you're carrying that conversation all the way through to saying, Hey, what is this person giving you that? Tell tell me why you want to be here. Yeah. What, what is it about this friend, this group of friends, this opportunity, this relationship that means so much to you? Yeah. Connect with them there because they're longing for connection in the first place. Yeah. So again, we are so tempted to address the dangerous behaviors because we can see where that's going to go. And I'm not saying we should ignore it, but sure. I'm saying that if you don't get to the root of the issue and you just address the outside behaviors, sure. you're going to miss it. Um, so one, I think super important aspect is to establish yourself as a safe person, right? Like remind them that no matter how much they push you away, Mm -hmm. no matter how much they don't tell you the truth, no matter how many times they break the rules, you still love them and care about them. And remember that on the other side, this person is likely telling them your friends, they don't, you don't care about them, you know? So just being that voice of truth, I'm here for you. I care about you. I am, you know, I'm never going to go away. You can always come to me no matter what. It doesn't matter what you've done. Establish yourself as a safe person, even if you can't make things change in the blink of an eye. Mm. Um, and then asking non-judgmental questions, like I said, like really just, hey, tell me about this person. Tell me about what you're into. And then if they give you the, the runaround, if they give vague answers or if they push you away, keep asking questions. Keep asking deeper and deeper questions yeah. until you kind of get to the root of the issue. And I think when we understand the grooming process, we can go back to step one and say, what was that unmet need? Mm. And realize that, even if it's your 15-year-old and you guys live in a great neighborhood and you've given your kid everything you they could possibly want and yeah. you're like, how could you have an unmet need that after you, all you I've have done no for needs. you? I've given you everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like remember that they're human. Right. And that you're human. Right. And that somewhere along the process, and it totally might not be your fault. Right. There's a hole. We're humans. Like we have holes in our heart. Mm. And um 
they're for God to fill sometimes, right? Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we're hungry for something. Yeah. And so we can start to feel like their behavior reflects on us. And I think that's where like a lot of breakdown happens is my yeah. kids freaking out, what have I done wrong or, mm. you know? And so just remembering like, hey, there's a human heart behind all this story. Let's connect with that human heart. Let's find what they wanted. And let's remind them that there's a safe place for us here with safe people that care about them. And then from there, yeah. try to unravel the story. Yeah. What's interesting about that for me, Krista, is I think about our restorative care program. Mm-hmm. And like we we build like maybe the, the like baseline foundation for us philosophically for our restorative care program for you know people who have overcome sex trafficking. They've come out of the life and they're rebuilding their life. But like our base is like we this has to be a home environment with a lot of felt safety. Yes. They have to know that they're safe. They have to know that they're loved. They have to know that they can uh, go through their process. And Mm -hmm. when you've experienced complex PTSD, there's a lot of exploding and processing (laughs) that you're going to go through, rightfully so. And so for, but like on our end, it's like restorative care happens in those moments of like, hey, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know this is really hard, and you're responding in all of these ways that are not healthy, but that's all right. We're here, and we're going to be here tomorrow, and we're going to give you all the tools that you need to be able to work through that. Yeah. So, what, but what I hear you saying is like, if if you're a parent, or if you're a friend, or some mm-hmm. of somebody, like do the same thing on the front end. Seriously, like establishing yes. that that safety, that familial connection, mm-hmm. even if it's chosen family and not blood family, right? right? Just be like, hey, I know, like you are way out of line, but I'm a safe person. This is a safe place. And go ahead and be out of line. I'm gonna be here. I'm yeah. still gonna be here, right? Yeah. I mean, is that what you're saying? That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. Because a lot of time, these traffickers are going to be that connection that they've longed for. Right. They are telling this person, "I'm the safe place. You can be whoever you want to be with me." Um, but at the same time, then they're spinning this whole web of, well, don't wear that and don't yeah. talk to this person and, and now talk this way and say these things. And, and so then they're changing you and you feel like you're accepted, but what's happening is that you're changing. It's a subtle like manipulation process to make you into the person that they want you to be. Yeah. So don't, don't be that person. Right. right? <laughs> like, right. I mean, like the foil or like the, the alternative to that is like, if that's the trafficker's way of doing things, and I'm trying to prevent my friend, my person, my child from doing this. I need to be the opposite of that. Exactly. I love you for who you are. Right. Uh, and you know, and that need. I, let's let's find a healthy way for you. Yes. To yes. get that need met, whatever the whatever that might be. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Um, so. Uh, what are some ways that we can prevent? So we've talked about like how to identify mm-hmm. and we've talked about like how to help somebody out. Let's like start from square one though, right? So again, I said that, you know, I've got a child who's kind of coming to that age. I got a couple of years, thank God, but um, to kind of figure all this out for my family and my household. But like, so what are some ways that we can prevent people in our lives uh, from being groomed? And, and maybe just like a note here is like, there isn't one there's not like a hundred percent perfect way because yeah. vulnerability is in everybody, right? Right. Okay, just establishing right. Yes. that. Yes, good though. Good, there is, good. There's no perfection, right? So yeah. what, do you, what do you say? What are some preventative measures? You know, I think obviously the first thing is human trafficking is a trap and people mm. fall into traps when you don't see them. So it's super helpful and important to be able to 
put up those red flags and let people know the signs um, so that they can identify when it's happening to them. Like I always tell our girls in our program, like you may not be able to fix your unmet needs or fill them, but you need to be aware of them. Like you need to know if, if not having a dad in your life is really important to you or not. And I, I can't guarantee that that's going to get fixed, but you need to recognize when someone else wants to come in and be that for you, you need to know, oh, this is my vulnerable spot. I need to have my eyes open. Yeah. And so helping people understand, like you need to know your unmet needs and you need to know what it looks like when you might be groomed, when you might be being isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, when something is too good to be true, sure. you need to be able to know how to recognize that. So I think that's one thing. That's really good. Um, Asking questions, you know, making sure that you are fully aware of the situation. Um, oftentimes, especially online, um, but if just in these relationships, traffickers love to ask you questions. They want to know all about you. And usually because this person has always felt so unseen yeah. and because we're human, let's be honest, like who doesn't really like to talk about themselves? Yep, no matter yep, how much yep. you say you don't, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someone shows interest in you, yeah. you want to answer. Yeah. And they do a great job guiding the conversation and you don't realize that you don't know anything about them and they know your whole life story. So ask some questions. Uh, Keep some information guarded. Mm. Don't show all your cards at once. Don't Mm. give your control to this person. And giving control can look like getting in a car with somebody, doing drugs with somebody, sending pictures that you don't want people to see, sending personal information about your family. So anything that someone could hold over you you need to be really careful about how much control you're giving. Uh, Maybe like understanding the idea of collateral, like what collateral means. Right. Like if you hand that over to somebody, they could really use it to manipulate and control your choices and just kind of understanding where your vulnerabilities are in that process too. Right. And just protecting those a little bit better. Yeah. And and knowing your boundaries, right? Like just because someone shows you kindness doesn't mean that you owe them your everything. Yeah. That's good. Um, No. So knowing and remembering who you are, knowing what's important to you. So when someone does do or say something that goes against your values, being strong enough to say, actually, that that's not me. Yeah. Um. Actually, no, that's not who I am. Oh, thanks for that, but I don't, I don't do that, or I'm not into that, or I'd, I'd rather not. Thank you. Right. And then knowing when somebody pushes up against that over and over again, maybe they don't actually care about you. Yeah, you're a bad person. Right. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. You are not being nice right now. <laughs> right, right. Right. And so, just I, what I tell kids is like, hey, not every unhealthy relationship is a trafficking situation. Sure, of course. But every trafficking situation is an unhealthy relationship. Yeah, so so good. noticing those unhealthy relationship flags is a super good way to just avoid trafficking at all. Um, and like you said, like we're never going to completely avoid grooming. Um, Grooming works because it works. Because it works, and it's prolific, and it happens a lot. Right. But we can be proactive in knowing the signs. We can be proactive in getting healthy boundaries and understanding ourselves better so we can better guard ourselves against people that want to come in and take advantage of us. Yeah. Um, we do put together show notes, and so I don't, I don't want you to avoid that last note you have there uh, about if you suspect the abuse of a minor. I want you to talk about that. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. So in our great state of Texas, yeah. every adult is a mandated reporter, which means that if you suspect that a child is being hurt or they might hurt themselves or someone else, you are required by law to report that to either law enforcement or CPS. Yeah. Generally speaking, um, the kind of rule of thumb is if the abuse or the 
the harm is happening because of a family member or someone in the household, you report that to CPS. If not, you report that to law enforcement. Um, if you don't know the situation, you don't know where this is happening and like what jurisdiction, yeah. CPS is like the catch-all. But in other words, if you are noticing these signs in a student and your child and a friend, um, in someone that, you know, a neighbor's kid, a minor, um, we are required by law to report that. And so even if it's it just if you suspect it and it's right. okay if you're wrong. Right. Um, but if you see those red flags and you really feel like something is off, it yeah. merits a report. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's like an agency, like for Elijah Rising, like that's an organizational like rule we have. Like if yeah. you see a minor, like you call the police. Right. Like that's just... <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> Baseline, right? Okay. Uh, this last question I want to ask you uh, is is a little bit more broad. It's not specifically grooming related. Mm-hmm. It's just as I was preparing for for this conversation with us, um, I just I felt this question kind of come up in me, and I didn't put it in the notes at first. And I was like, you know what? I really want to ask her this. I, I, um, and so I want to know, Krista, what is the biggest challenge you face in your work of education and prevention education? What is like the, the, the brick wall you feel yourself hitting all the time mm. that you wish wasn't there and you have like this audience that you can kind of share it with? Wow. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so in thinking about this question, I was like, okay, there are kind of a few. So Sure. I'm sure you probably have a list. We all do. But don't we yeah, all? Yeah. Don't we all? Go ahead. Um, I think one of the big ones is just a preconceived idea of what trafficking is mm. um, because if you already think that you know what trafficking is, but you really don't, yeah. um, you don't think that you need to learn. Um, and if you don't have the correct information, then you're um, not being helpful. They're not being helpful. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's a big part is like, Oh, we don't need to know about trafficking because that doesn't affect our students or, um, just especially parents or even young people, like young people, we come in, I teach classes about, I teach sex trafficking prevention classes to kids on probation. And they come in like, oh, we're talking about trafficking. I know what trafficking is. It's when people get kidnapped or... um, now, a lot of times on, on the flip side, what I do see is that these kids don't need to know the things I'm telling them. They already know it. They've already figured it out. I just have to reframe it for them and let give them language and help them see that it's a crime, that it's not just a bad situation. Mm. Because it's not... So adults are like, oh, that will never happen to my kids. That doesn't happen here. And kids are like, yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah. So kids need to know, like hey, this is a big deal and this is why and this is actually illegal and this is the terms we have for it. Because for when you can give something language, you kind of have some power over yeah, it. it's empowering. And it's mm-hmm. not just this like bad, scary, weird thing that happens. Right. Um, and so I think preconceived ideas on either side of what trafficking is, um, is a huge barrier to real education and listening to survivors is so important. And so beyond anything that I have said today, please go listen to a survivor's story. Um, and I do as much as I possibly can to pull my content and my information from what I've learned from survivors, because I don't want to perpetuate an idea of trafficking that is not people's real experience. And there are ton of different ways trafficking can happen and every survivor story is different. And so it's important to listen to a lot of survivor stories so that you can see the spectrum. Um, I think that's one thing. Another thing is just how nuanced this topic is. It isn't, again, because it can happen so many different ways. It's never like a one and done thing. And I mean, I've been in this not as long as you have, (laughs) but for a few years and every time I think I, I get it, I'm like, 
I know trafficking. I find out another way that trafficking happens. Uh, And I'm just like, how does, okay, okay, shift my framework, get it together. And so again, just keep learning. And it's not a fun topic to keep learning about, but the more that you are exposed to the nuances and how it can take place, um, the more that you can really step in into key areas and make sure that your voice and your efforts are effective. Yeah. That Um, is so good, Krista, that last note you just made. Like you have to keep learning. Like even us here at Elijah Rising, we're coming up on our 10 year, you know, anniversary next year. And it's like, but we're, but we're constantly still like, having these like mind blowing moments where like, wait, what, what happened? How did that happen? How did that, okay. Like, how do we respond to this? Like, what do we need to shift? Like, how do we need to even like yeah, pivot, right. you know, certain like whole portions of the organization to like meet this need. Yes. I also really appreciate your note. Like we have to listen to survivor voices. There, there are tons of, of, of great survivor leaders out there that mm-hmm. are doing great content or like writing books or yeah. doing speaking engagements or some have been on the podcast, you know, wh- mm-hmm. whatever they're, they're out there. We can hear from them. We need to listen to them. Yes. Um, and we need to give them voice in the work to give them voice. They have to have voice. Yes. Right. Yes. So I want to close by just giving you kind of another just open forum here at the end. And um, how can we support you? How can we support your work? We I, I so appreciate the work that you do and you coming today and sharing it with us. Um, but for the audience, where can they find you? How can they follow you? And Unbound, etc. Yes. On that note of like honoring survivors, yeah, go ahead. Kathy Givens was the one that was, t- I heard tell her story and she was one talking about how intoxication was this is too good to be true right. thing. And so again, just like that opened up my eyes completely and I especially want to honor her. She's a hero of mine. But again, just yeah. listening to those stories, it's so important and so impactful. And the more that we can, um, take their yeah. their voices and their experience and put real feet to them and, yeah. and reach the people that we're serving with their voices yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 1211 partners. So they're amazing. <laughs> uh, amazing. So thankful. Um, so a handful of things, obviously following us on social media, cause that's where all the good stuff comes out. And we post, um, we'll post prayer needs. Sometimes we'll okay. post, uh, our clients' needs. And so we'll have clients, I mean, you guys work with survivors, the most random needs come up. Yeah. So we stay stocked and prepared and then someone will need school uniforms for their kid or they will need uh, a bed like today yeah. to get to move in and have all these things happen. And so when those needs come up, we'll post them on our social media as well as like events and all that good stuff. Um, we have a, a prayer watch going on. So a prayer watch is basically like a, a six-week period of time where we're like focused on praying for unbound specifically, um, in different aspects. We'll have different prayer points come out every week. And so that initiative is on our website. People can click to join that. Also unboundhouston.org. Perfect. Um, ways to volunteer are also on our website. We have prevention programs. So I mentioned this program for boys and girls on probation in both Brazoria and Galveston County. We need volunteers for that. And we go in and every kid on probation, every girl on probation and boys in Galve and Brazoria Mm. are required to come to this course. Oh, wow. So we get them all Yeah, um, and love teaching those classes. These kids are awesome and come in with like so much helpful information for us, but also just a willingness to learn and watch out for their friends. And it's really cool. Um, but you know, inviting us, inviting us to come speak to your church, a business. Um, we train law enforcement, medical professionals, yeah. school counselors, educators. We talk to students. Um, there really isn't an audience 
evidence that is not important because trafficking is everywhere. And yeah. so we want to talk to everybody. Um, and then we also have trainings on our website. So on demand. So if you're just wanting to know more about trafficking or you want to share it with somebody else, yeah. that's a great way to just get like, Kind of those random audiences of like one or two people that just want to learn more, those on-demand trainings are helpful, and you can find those on our website as well. Perfect. UnboundHouston.org. That's it. That's the one. Krista, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, You've done such an incredible job, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Elijah Rising podcast. Nice. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at ElijahRising.org slash donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.